0: Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Hole presents A Space Podity. Uh, a podcast where three men in somewhat 30s, late 30s, early 30s, somewhere in their 30s, talk about the music that they love. In season one, we talked about Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor and all the accoutrement that surrounds that man. In season two, talking about his... Icon and Idol, and ours as well, David Bowie. But, got sucked back through the portal for this episode. Some new 9-inch nails material has been released to the masses. And it is only appropriate that we step through that wormhole and uh, put a button on things. So not only are we going to finish talking about the Watchmen score... But we're also going to be talking about uh, Ghosts, Volume 5. And uh, Volume 6, two presents that Trenton Atticus Ross presented to a world-weary nation uh, that is in shelter and huddled together, making sure that we're not catching the dreaded COVID-19. But we're also going to be talking about uh, Rob Sheridan was kind enough to give us a review copy of the entire Volume 1 Graphic Novel book of High Level. And Eric is going to tell us all about that and hopefully give it a glowing review. But, this is your host Mark. I'm joined tonight solely by Eric. And we'll have a reason why, why Steve couldn't join us today. But Eric, how are you out there? Hey, I'm great. Listen, a lot
1: of people say we're the best... Podcast for Nine Inch Nails. Well, maybe not even, just maybe the best podcast in general. But I, you know, a lot of reviews, so many glowing reviews, said that we were the best, completest Nine Inch Nails podcast. So
0: we would be remiss to not circle back and cover any new material. I mean, we're the comprehensive Nine Inch Nails podcast. I mean, I think we're going to be the only podcast when everything is said and done. So eat your heart out, Ira Glass. So many people are saying that about us. So it's, it, it's good. Yeah, people are talking. That's what they say. That's what they say. But before we begin, I think, uh, dear listener, before you start uh, biting your uh, fingernails and uh, writing your congressman and thinking that uh, we have Kim Jong uned old Stephen Chambers, I, I do want to have a proof of life, let you guys know that he is alive and well. So. Um, I'm going to read this letter verbatim, provided by one Stephen Earl.
1: Yeah, he uh, he released he, as a press release. I think he's being indicted right now, and that's why he couldn't be here tonight. But it, um...
0: it, <laughs> that's right. He is part of the uh, the California Recovery uh, Team, so uh, he's working to get the economy back open. He's representing the state of Jefferson and. Uh, you know, he's doing what he can to make sure that uh, the folks up there in the hills can shoot their guns out in the open air. All right, here, here he's, we go. Is he strapped onto a battering ram right now, ready to crash through the Walmart uh, doors? <laughs> Let me in! It's something like that, yes. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, from the desk of Stephen Earle... Our dearest listeners, I regret not being able to discuss this music with my co-host tonight. I'm drafting this letter in the bowels of my home office. Closet I've fashioned with three monitors and have been working out for almost three months now. We have a four-year-old who is home from school and I have a very pregnant wife. Wait, did Steve just say he's been working out for about three months now? Like just nonstop, just
1: lifting and just pounding those weights? I think That's he is
0: doing the Rocky Four routine. Uh, so a lot of log <laughs> dragging, a lot of uh, shadow boxing in the snow. That its results. There's there, you can't deny it. Sorry, go on. I mean, uh, but work, work. it never stops for that man. It just bleeds into what might be my free time now. I'm not sure. I'm not complaining, but man, I just can't make the time right now. And, listener, you're probably asking, Steve, are you bitching because you have a job and cannot do a podcast? And he wants this to say to you. No, naysayer, I am not. I am just fucking tired like we all are. I have not been able to make the time to properly jot my notes on these albums down to a level that I find satisfactory. And here at Pod Like a Whole Industries, we don't half-ass things. Um, I mean, I can read this whole thing. I mean, it's like turning into a manifesto for crying I, out loud. I, I think when we get to each of the... the he, he, he's given his thoughts on each album. I think when we get to him, I'll, I'll repeat his thoughts there. But um, Sure. But yeah, uh, he wants the dear yeah, listener out there to know that uh, he has been infatuated and rekindled his love for the mighty Mastodon. Uh, not the extinct behemoth, but the actual band from uh, that hails from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so, he's been listening to a lot of them, uh, and as we talk about what we're going to be uh, discussing this evening, we'll be sure to make sure that uh, Steven gets his, his say, because... Um, I mean, depending on if the ratings bonanza uh, out of this episode, if... Uh, <laughs> But the viewers are like, you know what? I like that chemistry with, with Mark and Eric. They just right. kind of cut right through it.
1: That's um, right. We yeah, might have to right. bid him
0: a fond farewell and him, Joe Vera can start their <laughs> Castlevania the podcast.
1: Imagine the show without um,
0: mad belligerence.
1: And um, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I imagine. I, 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 well, I guess we'll find out. I mean, we've done it once before. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Uh, Thank you for for I I, I I'm sure um, Stephen's lawyers appreciate you reading that. They, they the definitely the, the 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 copywriters were were pounding those, that out earlier today to make sure. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like all three we... of our
0: legal teams had to get together, and it was a big negotiating thing. Uh, finally, we had to make some sort of just you know, compromises, but here we are. We got to keep the content machine going. Brr. So let's, let's yeah. do this.
1: That's right. That's right. That's right. This is a, it's a wood chipper. And once you, once you stop putting wood in there, the blades go rusty. Sorry. That, that, that's, 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 that's poetry, but let's, let's move on. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> we're going to, we're going to tackle these in chronological order. Um, we already talked about the, the first couple volumes of Watchmen. Or at least the first volume, but um uh volume three came out uh in between the last few Bowie albums we've been talking about. And um there's some really impressive stuff on there that we should we should chat about. Um but before we get to that, there's some interesting uh now that <laughs> now that uh these albums are finally up on the Nin Wiki, um uh I, I realized it wasn't completely Trent and Atticus on here. Um, a couple of the ones we talked about, like on volume one, the, uh, the, how the West was not how the West was really one, but the, the, uh, the old timey ragtime piano, that's Mike Garson. They brought Mike Garson on for that song. I didn't even know that. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 So, um, whichever one that would trust in the law. There you go. Trust in the law. That old, uh, old timey one. Um, and then all the jazz stuff on here. The, um, it's actually Trent and Atticus did writing, but John Beasley, they brought John Beasley on who apparently is a, is a jazz guy to help see it to fruition. Um, so, uh, so I, anyways, other than that, it's pretty much them, but, uh, I just, there were a couple other players that we didn't mention before. (laughs) I did Um, not know that. No, yeah, 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 no, it's, and, and of course we always love seeing old Mike Garson show up and stuff which makes perfect sense. If you just see him pounding on that ragtime piano,
0: it was born to do it. So, you know, like Trent and uh, Atticus have a uh, other score coming out. I don't know. Maybe that uh, movie will be pushed back because of all this, but that new Pixar film uh, is supposed to be slated for this summer called soul. Right. Um, And just from the looks of things based off of the trailer, there's, Definitely a lot of jazz piano going on in there. Um, So I'm sure that Trent is, you know, dusting off his Harry Connick Jr. uh, (laughs) songbook. But uh, yeah, that's interesting because I just thought that was him just warming up for that.
1: It's funny you say that. Uh, I was reading something. I think he was compared to uh, Harry Connick Jr. when he first started as far as his his
0: piano stylings. (laughs) Both of them being, you know, had lived in NOLA. You know, for it for a right. time, you know. Right, right, right.
1: Um, yeah. Actually, I think Soul's gonna be great. Um, and I, you know, Trent's been dipping his toes in some jazz here for a while. And we're that's not the last time we'll bring it up tonight. So, I'm, you know, I think he's got a, I think he's got a a, a good handle on it. So, I'm I'm excited to see how that sounds. But a good point, bringing up Soul.
0: So, I it, we're we're <laughs> on the the same page, right? Where we're discussing Watchmen. Right? You're right. Yes, Watchmen. All, right. all um, right.
1: Now, I, I didn't. I was not lucky enough. I tried. I was not lucky enough to get any of the vinyls. Um, they all kind of sold out before I could pool my funds. Okay. But the vinyl, the vinyl releases are amazing. If you were a fan of the show or the comic book or the movie, you know all the artwork in each of the vinyl release releases are completely like just set like stacked with Easter eggs for the universe. Um, we talked about a little bit before about how um, Sons of the Pale Horse was this like uh, ridiculous metal band that um, that like took Rorschach's libertarian extremism to to heart and wrote a bunch of songs about it. So in that first Watchmen volume, they uh, they the in, in, within the liner notes they review one of the terrible Sons of the Pale Horse albums, which is is funny to me. Um, volume two a lot of the artwork is stacked with um the if you watch the show um there's this uh Ryan Murphy type show going on called American Hero Story Minuteman Minuteman and uh that is just stacked with a bunch of uh, references to that but the third one is a cornucopia for 9 inch nails fans it's just a cream dream um <laughs> in fact, when you buy the vinyl, it doesn't say Watchmen anywhere on it. It's called The Manhattan Project by The 9 Inch Nails. Um and it's <laughs> The 9 Inch Nails from Twin Peaks of course, uh is given their own alternate history in the Watchmen universe. Um where uh Danny Hyde and uh, Peter Christofferson were actual members of 9 Inch Nails. Where Trent Reznor uh, uh retired and disappeared and, and became a recluse. Sometime in the early aughts. And uh, even though the uh, the songs on volume three are all stuff from the show, the titles on the vinyl are just all just fun things for fans. Uh, just absolutely uh, fake, uh, uh, fake Nine Inch Nails songs. Uh, Who Will Save Us Now? Just Do It, which apparently was a unreleased track from the Downward Spiral sessions. Uh, the actual events, well, of course, not the actual events, was one of their EPs um the way out is through is apparently on here and some some song called message never sent not god she bleeds through which is a reference to the working title for with teeth uh, eater of dreams of course remember that from hesitation marks and then a couple a couple other ones but um i just love the uh the that whole volume was <laughs> it's it's almost like fucked up because you're just so excited at the, at the possibility of these Nightish nail songs that aren't on there anywhere, but uh, it, it is all, it's it very fun to read through the liner notes from what I've seen online. Um, they even sold uh, a bag of blue uh, dust, uh, Dr. Manhattan dust um, to go along with it.
0: Um, they just love like packaging things that are going to be making a mess in your living room. Don't they? <laughs> they do. Oh God.
1: Oh, yeah, the uh, yeah, not the actual events. Uh, the physical material was
0: all over my garage. Probably still is. So, um, yeah, go on. Am I led to believe because the last time we actually saw Nine Inch Nails be referred to as the Nine Inch Nails was on another work. Eric, what work was that?
1: Well, I did just mention it. It was the Twin Peaks. Uh, the exactly. Return. So are we led to yeah.
0: believe that the Watchmen universe and the Twin Peaks universe are one and the same?
1: <laughs> uh, actually, and it's funny you say that, if you ever watch that four hour deconstruction of Twin Peaks that that guy put on YouTube, I'm not going to say I sat down for four hours and watched it, but I will say that I watched about 45 minutes of it a day until it was done while I was exercising in the morning. It's not bad. I don't know if I agree with it, but according to that, the entire show is a meta, as a meta rumination on television. And since Twin Peaks is a television show living in this universe of television shows, it's entirely, entirely possible. The Nine Inch Nails from Watchmen Volume 3 is the same as The Nine Inch Nails from Twin Peaks.
0: We got to get Pepe Silvero on this case. Um, <laughs> so have oh, we given our final thoughts? I mean, this, uh, the soundtrack is, uh, it's a slam dunk. It's a home run. All vo- all three volumes have something for everybody. Um, I find myself going back to the uh, soundtrack. All three of them very frequently. Um, but even before that, I would say that this show, um, I'm, I'm just disappointed that, Um, It wasn't such a cultural phenomenon. I mean, it definitely had its moment uh, when it was out and people were talking about it. Um, But I think it being just a one and done series, because it all points are pointing to the fact that this is it. This is all we're going to get. And, you know, it's perfect. Leaves you wanting more like any good media should. Cause it's not like I want to see inception two, which also had a very ambiguous ending. um, but at the same time, I did fall in love with a lot of these characters and I would like to play with them a little bit more. Uh, yeah, but I have to say this is probably one of the <laughs> like one of the newer shows that's hit uh, the scene that it just left an impact on me. Would you say the same?
1: Oh, yeah, no, it 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 at first it started and, you know, I, I was pretty hooked right away. You had your your Trent and Atticus music, you had you know, a, a, a comic book series that I loved and the way that they were tying into it, everything before has been Canon, but they're doing these new things with it, tying into current cultural issues that we're, that we're experiencing. Um, I was, I was absolutely in love, but I didn't realize how emotionally attached I would get to the characters. And by those last three episodes, like I was just glued to my screen heart pounding just absolutely into it It, i i I haven't had such a visceral reaction to a show in a long time um so i'm with you i agree that i'm bummed that it's over um but i feel like it had its moment like if they wanted to do more they would have so it's probably just more of like the people involved saying we're you know we took some stuff we stretched it where we could stretch it but You know, any any more might be doing you a disservice. I don't know. Maybe that's their that's their opinion.
0: Oh yeah, I mean it's. I mean, I'm just saying that it never like reached the pinnacle of uh, Game of Thrones, where I'm starting to see merchandise and things like that. Even though I mean, the show itself was extremely smart um, of how it you know uh, talked about religion, politics, uh, police states. The the hero myth and all of that. Um, it was a wild show, and you know, I never was. Uh, I was kind of sleeping on uh, Regina King's talent, uh, but man, she she won me over on that one. And uh, Jeremy Irons was fantastic as Adrian Veidt. Um, uh, just. All performances were amazing. I, for the life of me, all of a sudden, I can't remember the guy that played uh, Looking Glass, uh, but he always shows up and does a phenomenal job in everything he does. Sure, um, but yeah, yeah, and
1: I mean, I, I mean, I see your point, but you know, shows like uh, Treme got like two or three seasons, and that was <laughs> nobody's <was> making merch <laughs> off that. You know what I mean? So,
0: like, <laughs> is that how you pronounce it, or was it Treme? I think it was Treme. And I mean, they, the only uh, thing, I mean, <laughs> those folks who are really into the wire, just do we have any Treme heads out there? I know.
1: Right, right, right. Um, I mean, that's not, it's not a bad show. What I just mean is it it could not have made less of a cultural impact. And it got, you know, they HBO seems to be pretty kind to its artists. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, they let them go for a little bit. Like they don't sign somebody on um, if they're just like. Uh, grasping for for viewers i feel like i feel like they give them a little bit of space um I, I i'm more inclined to believe this is an artistic decision to keep it keep it one and done but regardless Definitely. one thing i think we talked about earlier that we talked about the score was um you know trent and atticus were sending stuff to damon lindanoff and um he was he was he was liking the stuff that sounded more like Nine Inch Nails, and so it, this I think that's why we love these damn soundtracks. Is it sounds like Quake? We talked about that earlier. It sounds like Quake. It sounds like the better Ghosts songs, um, just crunchy and 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 has got a drive. But it's also like it has quiet songs. It has some like uh, ambient stuff. But it's they've really honed their craft on that. Like when we we did seven fucking episodes. It feels like about all their old score work. And yeah. uh, a lot of it, they had some good moments and a lot of it was like a very droney, but it, it felt like they were still figuring it out. And this feels like everything is very intentional and, um, and, and well done. And, and, and there's definitely a few standout tracks. Let's hear them. Well, um just kind of going down through volume three. Uh, the opener Doomsday Prepper is a guitar there's just like a wall of sound guitar that 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 sets the rhythm on the song and uh i feel like this was done during that um that looking glass episode um because clearly he's like the uh the conspiracy theorist um doomsday prepper in that but uh I, i i think that's a great little opener and um some very very uh reminiscing uh nine inch nails guitar work that gets me excited
0: yeah, for the life of me, as we talk about, you know, um, I can't necessarily pick out uh, certain tracks because, you know, when you put it on, I just listen to it from beginning to sure. end. Um, mm-hmm. But there's moments where I'm I'm reaching for, like, which which part is this? Which song is this? Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, without... I being able to listen to it while we talk live uh, about it. You know, I know that when we do this in post and we actually uh, not to tell the listener how the sausage gets made, but a lot of these things get uh, edited together in the magic of post-production. And I usually, whenever we talk about instrumental music, I tend to go like, fuck that. That's the song I was talking about because either you or Steve, you know, picked it out with an actual title. Um, so I'm not even going to attempt, uh, but all I can say is that towards the end of uh, this particular volume three, um, I think it's called the Lincoln Tunnel. Um, that one's a really great one. Um, and of course oh, it God, has, yeah. uh, which comes up a couple times in the show, uh, uh, Ke- George Michael's careless whisper. And so you get trans piano rendition of uh that in the title of no rhythm it's only about a minute long but it's undeniably great it makes it seem like a sad song because careless whisper no matter which way you cut it is a great song and then you got uh, bowie or bowie's song life on mars done by trance piano and i mean for me those are the top highlights but eric i'm sure that you've got notes upon notes Take it away.
1: Uh, Yeah. So Steve, Steve also in his letter, um, he, he loves uh, Lincoln tunnel and he thinks Lincoln tunnel should go in the all time nine inch nails uh, compendium. Um, He, the whoosh guitar that he was always talk about. um, It definitely comes in. Yeah. When you listen to that song, it starts out, you know, it's got a lot of air, a lot of atmosphere to it. There's these angelic um, vocals that uh, keep building. And then somewhere around the two and a half minute mark, the guitars just go huge. Song and uh, it's pretty unforgettable. Um, I can even think about uh, the episode maybe where I heard it. Um, so yeah, I'm right there with you and Steve. Like, this is a highlight. Lincoln Tunnel we should go in their top five instrumental songs of all time. It's very, very good, it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, keep going. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then that uh, Life on Mars cover is cool because. I mean, obviously, we love that song. We, we it was a it was a standout on an otherwise pretty dry album, um, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, like uh, you know, my son learned how to play that for a recital, so we got I got some emotional connection to it. So when that showed up in the show, I definitely got a little trembly. I'm got a little trembly. Things got a little dusty, and uh, it's great. I mean, I love what what Trent did there because well, and Atticus, but you know, obviously, Trent's done now at least three or four whether it's covers or re reworkings of david bowie songs um and he does something a little different every time In this one he he plays the the piano melody beautifully with some drones in the background but as he keeps playing the drones kind of get louder i love the part when it's you know sailors fighting in the dance hall and he's, he's it's all instrumental he's not singing but he's playing it but at that part you hear these like Big alien scents kind of come in the background. Stirring, it makes you almost want to stand up. Um, and then before before it ever gets to anything like a climax, the drones just fuzz out everything, and um, the beautiful melody falls into the drones. And uh, it's very, very much a Trent thing to do <laughs> to that song. <laughs> I'm sure we'd all love to hear him belt out that song as it, as it was intended, um, but that's not really his style.
0: No, I mean, it, I mean. It, for the sake of the source material of what he was scoring for, uh, you know, it, I, I don't think it needed that bombacity of his vocals or anything like that. I mean, hopefully one day, um, as he will do sometimes when he nine inch nails performs live by doing some Bowie covers, maybe, uh, maybe he'll do something like that where he can have a nod to this, and a nod to Bowie by actually doing the vocals. But for the sake of the soundtrack, I, I do like the fact that it just is instrumental and very just contemplative. I mean, there's a lot of moments that just kind of hits you emotionally. Um, and uh, it's just a job well done.
1: Yeah. A couple other uh, worthy mentions. Um, Nothing Ever Ends is a seven minute long song but it has a real, real drive to it. And it's, you know, it's connected to that, that great scene, I believe. And somebody could prove me wrong here um, where they uh, that awesome scene where uh, Dr. Manhattan is having two people communicate through diff- two different timelines. Um, and I believe that's a song that's used there. So um, it just a uh, great scene and a great song that connects it. Which one was that? There's uh, Nothing Ever Ends.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Um, and there's a there's a there's a few songs that all these these soundtracks have a little bit of like dialogue from the movie um, or something like uh, on one of the the bits of media that somebody's watching. You have a little bit of a documentary on Doctor Manhattan in here somewhere, which is kind of interesting. Um, you got the way it used to be, which is another like nostalgia jazz song. Um, but yeah, Lincoln Tunnel, life on Mars. Talk about closing strong. That's all I got to say about it. Uh, so if we go back, if we go back to our rankings of nine inch nails and uh nine out of nine nails was a perfect album. Steve gave this volume eight out of nine.
0: That's pretty good. I mean, I'm probably in the six or seven. I mean, um, it's definitely, yeah. uh, I feel some of his best score work probably since the social network. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, not to say that all of the other stuff was meandering nonsense, but I think that uh, social network had such a uh, defining score that you can absolutely, once you hear it, you're like, that's for the social network. Now, when you play something from the girl to dragon tattoo and gone girl, I might have like, I might make a, like a educated guess, but it's pretty much a coin flip for me. But this one, uh, you know, if you take it as a whole, volume one, volume two, volume three, I would definitely score it, you know, probably an eight uh, altogether. Um, but for volume three, it's probably a, you know, it's solid chapter. I think I like volume one just a little bit better. Um, but volume three is uh very solid with a, the seven. I'll give it a seven.
1: I think between the three volumes, if you took out the best tracks, and you'd have you'd have an easily uh, eight or nine out of nine album right there oh oh yeah yeah Um, there is this track called let him ride which was only on the vinyl version Um, and damn the internet nobody has been proactive I cannot find this so really can't talk about it yeah can't talk about it don't know don't know Um, yeah it's great Uh, I I would give it a seven out of nine as well Um, I just uh just love it Great. let's let's get to uh, some more stuff we've we can actually talk about um, yes. Uh, Rob Rob Sheridan, a previous art director for Nine Snails, um, and uh, previous guest on our show, sent us a PDF of his the first volume of his comic book High Level. He talked about it when we uh, when we interviewed him. Um, at that time, I was still buying physical issues, so I actually have all of these physically. I know, um, but they they sent a PDF out um, for for you other fellows. Um, So Rob wrote it and Barnaby Bagenda uh, did the art. Um, And I'm a big fan of that guy. There is a book called uh, Omega Men. Omega Men is a DC property that goes back until the seventies, I believe. But um, it was recently redone in a very short 12 issue miniseries uh, written by Tom King, current writer or or not anymore, but in the last year, the writer of Batman, Um, awesome writer. And it was like, it, it, it takes these, um, they're almost like guardians of the galaxy, but, um, rewrites them as, uh, as like terrorists, uh, and intergalactic terrorists. And it's a, uh, it was a really, really fantastic read. And for green lantern fans, uh, who, uh, who enjoy, uh, uh, Kyle Rayner, it was a big book for him. But anyways, that that's Barnaby big, Be- that's when I became a fan of him, um, high level is uh, is Rob Sheridan's uh, dystopian adventure story. Um, did you get a chance to flip through
0: this at all, Mark? So I did uh, read all of um, the first issue, which I was very impressed. Um, I mean, it's no secret between the three of us that I am the least invested into uh, graphic novels. I, I, I think they're great. It's a great medium. Um, I, it's a disservice that I don't give it more um, uh, time in my, in my lifestyle. Um, but I was very impressed with not only the art direction, but the writing was crisp. Um, and I, even though that a PDF PDF hit our inbox, um, just life got in the way and it was always kind of pushed to the side. And, you know, of course we reached out to Rob and Stephanie for thinking of us to review it. And, you know, thankfully we have Eric on the team who, uh, who definitely gave it the, the old from soup to nuts look so um yeah uh, but that's pretty much what i have to say i eventually will get around to it but i feel that we should definitely tell our listeners you know what you thought of it so without spoiling it of course
1: yeah no i mean if you're if you're a fan of um dystopian uh stories um uh or you know like your your blade runners um This is, this is interesting. It sets up this world where, and I love the, it's very much like reading a Lord of the Rings or something like a fantasy book. Like every time you open the, or or the, the, the story, or rather it's at the the back matter of every issue, there is a map and Rob's like the world building that's going on is very exciting. Rob's got it all laid out. And there's all these little societies of dystopian, you know, something happened post-apocalyptic these little differences. Everyone's a little different. You know, you've got your, your junkyard society. You've got your Vegas, like kink society, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and it's, they're all living in squalor, but somewhere there's this place called high level, which people have to earn their way into. And it's this utopia. And, um, and that's all very, there's very much like a post-apocalyptic, apocalyptic sci-fi thing but there's a fantasy element too because there's some sort of wizard that (laughs) and prophecy involved with a kid and this like uh junk scavenger named 13 she takes this she has she's given this mission to take this kid to high level so you get to see her traverse through all of the different uh communities and um every issue is its own kind of adventure it's um it's it's decompressed enough to really care about the characters, but not so much where it takes forever to get anywhere. Each issue has an awesome adventure involved in a different, in different locale. And, uh, the first volume ends in, in, uh, issue six where they finally like get the secrets on high level and leaves you wanting so much more. And Rob on all the social medias has, well, I'm not going to say he promised, but he said one way or another, even though, um, DC canceled Vertigo. This was a Vertigo book. Uh, Rob has said that he will. Uh, that this the story will go on one way or another. So, I'm excited because it's it's good. It's one of my favorite comics in the last in the last uh, five years.
0: Easy. That's cool. Um, it it's it. Uh, how can I say this? It looks like there's also an accompanying uh, score to it. I'm, I'm, uh, I seem to remember them also sending us some music files that go along with it. Do you happen to dabble into Completely. that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the score work is awesome. Um, let me pull it up here. So uh, I just want to get the names right. And I will edit this. I see. There it is. So, yeah, there is a score. Um, Steven Alexander Ryan and Justin McGrath. One of those guys is from uh, the Black Queen. Uh, that that we that we all enjoy and they made the uh, ascension ep and then, then ultimately the whole score that you can listen to along with with reading this and it's, it's 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 uh you know cold icy synth pop um with some ambient works uh definitely like in line with your uh, blade runner stuff if not a little bit more upbeat Um, poppy and accessible but yeah it's it's fantastic
0: nice uh i will have to fire it up as i eventually make my way through you would think i would have some free time uh but for whatever reason uh in the middle of just doing work trying to listen to music stay up to date with some of my podcasts creating podcasts just reading man is become such a challenge in my later adult life. And, you know, uh, it's one thing that I need to find a way to reintegrate. Um, But man. Yeah. It's, it's hard because uh, I, it was, uh,
1: I really made a goal like uh, last year that I would read more. And the thing is, is you have to get in the habit of it. Once you like, if you like set aside time for reading for like a week straight, then your brain, like then, I don't know if this works for you, but for me, my reading speeds up the more I get used to it. So like when I first, like if I haven't read for months and I pick up a book, it's going to take me a while to get through a few pages. (laughs) But if if you have that, that, uh, that, that, that routine, eventually your brain, it just, it just goes like that. And then you start flying through stuff, but it's, it's about establishing that routine, which is the hard part.
0: I blame uh, the amount of screens that are probably in my household because um, as I start to read, I start getting distracted about like well let me check what's going on on my phone or let's check what's going on in the old TV or I, oh yeah, that streaming show everyone's talking about. I need to need to get it caught up with that you know like it is you know attention deficit uh, just I'm overwhelmed with with content. And for whatever reason, printed word, um, is being the sacrificial lamb, which is not great because I mean, I think the more you read, the more you're kind of feeding your brain, um, rather than letting your brain just absorb you know, lights and sounds. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's it it takes some time, but I, I, I think we should, yeah, it's it would be good for all of us if we could somehow uh, read more than just, uh, you know, internet
0: articles on our phones or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, Hey man, I'll tell you 51 ways that you won't believe. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. Big list guy, big list guy.
1: Yeah. You won't believe how she looks in the bikini after losing that baby weight. That's, (laughs) that's a, that's, that, that's important material right there. 15
0: savage tweets that will make you lol lol yeah the hot tiktok videos everyone's talking about and tiktok that is something that uh that's just not for me i i'm not looking down on anyone that's obviously a generational thing uh this quarantine that seems that a lot of uh folks in their 40s are like what's this tiktok thing i'm hearing about And I'm sure it'll be ruined just like my space and Facebook and social media always tends to be.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what it is. I think it was originally intended to be like some, like almost like a karaoke thing where you like can mimic another video, but like all the original ads for it were people recreating already terrible viral videos. And I'm like, yeah alright that's like oh, that's almost like so meta it hurts it hurts my my like and I and I can appreciate a good meta meta bit of content But that's almost like so 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 many mirrors held up to a shitty society <laughs> it's <laughs> so like got I mean to ghost,
0: yeah. I, I gotta say man I think this is the point where we just realize that we're fucking getting old man I mean the world is moving like faster than we can catch up yeah now.
1: Closure. Um uh Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross got, got 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 busy and they and they recorded two albums inspired by how they were feeling during this closure. And um we mentioned this already, but just for fun, I'll I'll go over uh the press release for the for these albums, in which uh in which they posted friends, weird times indeed. As the news seems to turn ever more grim by the hour, we found ourselves vacillating wildly between feeling like there may be hope at times to utter despair often changing minute to minute although each of us define ourselves as antisocial types who prefer being on our own the situation has really made us appreciate the power and need for connection I actually think that's really important because I mean I think I think we all appreciate our our our, our, <laughs> our space and our time away from people um but you know they're There's something to be said about that too. Like, I think people may write off, um, you know, introverts as being okay during this time, but for those that maybe suffer, uh, this, this, this could be, make things even harder for them, even, even if they're alone. So good point. Anyways, uh, music, whether listening to it or thinking about it or creating it has always been the thing that helped us get through anything good or bad. With that in mind, we decided to burn the Midnight Oil and complete these new Ghost Records as a means of staying somewhat sane. Ghost five, together, As for when see- we feel like things might be okay. Ghost six, locusts, well, you'll figure it out. It made us feel better to make these and it feels good to share them. Music has always had a way of making us feel less alone in the world and hopefully it does for you too. Remember, everyone in this thing together is in this together and this too shall pass, which great... Great self-reference. We're in this together. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon. Be smart and safe and take care of each other with love. Trent and Atticus. I just love that. It's such a sweet press release. I don't know. As a fan, I loved reading it. It was great.
0: No, I I do appreciate it. You know, um, it's I, I agree with the first part where you were talking about the fact that, yeah, I tend to be more of an introverted personality and you know being around large groups of strangers tends to exhaust me uh, but i i will have to mention the just the uncertainty of this entire situation people are losing their employment uh, not figuring out where the money is going to be coming from um you know there's just so much that you feel like you're isolated and alone um thankfully i'm lucky enough and i'm not rubbing this into anyone's faces out there that you know i'm still able to work from home um i'm still able to uh be conscientious uh you know very conscious of the fact that uh i'm not going out and about i'm not trying to uh you know exacerbate the situation even further um i know you guys are also practicing safe social distancing but i will have to mention though uh, i i can't wait to actually Um, be able to just not have to wear a mask every time I go out, um, be able to actually talk to strangers. Um, one thing that I have found in this, whenever I do see someone at the grocery store, I don't really get that whole like tension anymore when it first started, like it really felt tense in everywhere. Now people are kind of easing into this whole, like it'll be fine. We're going to get through this. Um, there's not that at least from in my community I don't feel that sense of panic anymore there's always just that like tension but it's it seems to not be a humming vibration as you feel like at the early part but I can't wait till that all goes away and just being able to go see a movie um, watch sports again um, and put this behind us um, even though like you said I do like my solitude but I also know that it's it can be a crippling thing. And, you know, there's been times where my fear and doubt and uncertainty has got the best of me. I tried to be as clear headed about this as possible. Um, the other night things just really came to a fever pitch where I thought that I was losing control of my own body. So I, I, I know that those people are out there that are feeling that, that sense of anxiety and it's just become so overwhelming. So hearing, Like one of my heroes, you know, sending pretty much what consists like a love letter, you know, where there are times where it's going to feel like everything's okay. And there are other times where it feels like the locusts are swarming you. So I do have to appreciate the, the duality of what Trent and Atticus are really presenting here. Um, and, uh... Do I think that this is some of the best work that they've ever released? No. I mean, it it fits for a certain type of mood, um, but I'm sure that we'll... We're not going to go track by track, I can tell you that. Um, But I'm sure that Eric has some notes on some of the standout tracks, Mm. and just like I said with The Watchmen, when it comes to kind of atmospheric music, I tend to zone out, and I think that's kind of the intention of it. Um, It's not meant to essentially grab you and take you through a typical song structure. It's meant to be something as you're staring at the window or maybe typing up paper or cleaning the house kind of thing. It's really trying to provide some sense of ambience for the listener.
1: Yeah. I, I think like, I think, I don't know about you, Mark, but for me, um, when it comes to instrumental music, um, uh, the accessibility of it to me is really about, is there a rhythm to it? <laughs> and I think between these two albums, I think only three songs actually have like a discernible, like uh time signature, uh, uh, even a drum beat. Um, that's not to say any of these, uh, actually, I would say some of these have some of the, the, the best, the most well-composed instrumental music, of their career, it's just not the one you're gonna be in the mood for all the time. Um but I think let's separate each album because there is a very distinctive sound to each one. Um the first one, uh Ghosts Five Together was meant to be the album of hope. It's when you think you know things could could be good when you're looking forward to seeing your friends again, which I am, I mean I would love a pod like a whole hangout right about now. It's been it's been too long. It'd be great. It'd be amazing um i get that hope and the whole album is just a wash uh with 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 synths playing major keys um major key chords uh and i and i think i made this on the comment on the show steve in his letter agrees with me there's a ghost teen feel to it ghost teen is just drowning in that almost like a tangerine dream legend score like uh like just fairy since and on this album there's a lot of that um i think the first two tracks are perfect examples letting letting go while holding on and together By the time you get through both of those, you've listened to the album for 20 minutes. Um, Steve's biggest gripe with these albums is that it takes a long time to get anywhere. And, uh, and he's right. In 20 minutes, you hear these pretty ambient melodies, uh, beautiful soundscapes. Um, but if you want drive, if you want rising action, you're not going to find it in the 20 minutes. So I get what Steve's saying there. Um, as I told Steve on the phone earlier today, sometimes it's about the, it's a, it's, it's about the journey, not the destination, Steve. Um I love the first two tracks of this album. I think it's positive sounding Trent work. Um, uh, it's 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 like I said, hitting major keys that he doesn't usually play with and um it's uh, very, very pretty. So this really lush uh, synth heavy uh, ambient thing exists in the first two tracks on this. Um, But it's, it's, it's not just ambient. There's, there's a, there is a, there is a a kind of melodic drive to both of these songs, even though there's no drums. um, There's no click track. Uh, I do love these first two songs. Um, They do remind me of a Tangerine dream legend score kind of, situation um as i said before ghost teen uh what's going on in the cave right now it 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 fits into that very well and does and, and i think it's very successful in in filling listeners with a feeling of hope um the album continues on and and there are you know five more tracks before the end after these two these first two will take you 20 minutes into the album um i think i said that before uh i'll be editing this don't worry Um, and then, uh, the, the, the other five tracks are kind of more of the same, but I feel like these first two really nail just the layers of sound that make me know I'm listening to a Trent Reznor, um, production. Uh, it, it's beautiful. I really do like the first two and then the final track on here. So the first uh, letting, uh, letting go while holding on and together are the first two tracks. And the final track is still right here. Still right here is a cool song because it starts like all the other ones. Lush, synthy, positive, major key. And then by the end, uh, just like in the fragile, as we discussed, like the kind of the thesis of the the fragile is that you can finally become content, you can heal, but the anxiety is always there. And so this whole album is pretty positive, pretty hopeful, and and the last track starts that way, but then this little seed of fear starts creeping up and we finally get our first drums, Uh, about halfway through this 10 minute song. Good industrial, uh, industrial poundings over this uh, this pretty lush thing as it fades out. The anxiety builds up, and it ends thematically appropriate because the next the next album, Ghost Six, is all about that anxiety. Um, did you have anything to say about this 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 side, Mark? Pass.
0: pass it. Um. Yeah. This side. Um... It did remind me of some of that score work uh, for whatever reason, my brain would kept going back to gone girl, but seeing how there's probably a lot more major key uh, stuff happening here. I wanted to make the, uh, the time to revisit the short soundtrack that he, uh, they did for mid nineties, um, which a movie I still have yet to watch. Actually, actually. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad um, you said
1: that because th- that score before I ever watched the movie, was all that piano stuff. And this, there's some great piano work on this. Sorry. Continue on.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. I was just wondering if maybe you had um, circled back to that. I did watch,
1: I did watch the movie uh,
0: last week. It's on Amazon prime now. So I finally watched it.
1: Yep. And it's got some real kids vibes (laughs) as far as like, (laughs) that's what it looks like. I, I would say it's better than kids though. Kids, kids borders like, Oh, we have a message but we're going to make this really grimy, almost porny movie with kids. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, it's it, 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 Kids feels more exploitative. Um, this sure. one actually is funny and there's some really good character moments. Um, but it also is like, oh my God, if my kids started doing that, I would fucking freak the fuck, <laughs> the fuck out too. Like, <laughs> like there's some real, like, uh, like, uh, crazy, like it's not just a feel good uh, story about growing up in LA in the nineties. There's uh
0: there's some crazy shit in there too.
1: But I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. But anyways, go on. Yeah.
0: Well, that's good. I remember Steve really enjoying that movie too. Um, but for the life of me, uh, when you're mentioning drums, I honestly I thought that we didn't get drums until um go six under Locus. Yeah, uh, like it's the last Run like track, Hell. it's
1: about it's about five minutes into the final track on this on this album. You get, okay. you get some you get some stuff, you get you some know stomps.
0: What? You're right. You're right. I do remember that. Um, I remember the album kind of coming to life a little bit towards the end. And, you know, uh, is it Ellen Rubin playing drums? Uh, Is there any credited drummer um, that we're seeing? No, I think
1: think we're getting some more of uh, just Trent drumming.
0: Okay, right on. Yeah. Piggy style.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I would say if you had to pick uh, if I had to pick my favorites, it would be the first two tracks uh, letting go while holding on and together and then the final track still right here. Um, And it's just a very interesting sound soundscape for Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. It is positive. It is hopeful. um, And uh, and yes, it, it has that 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 rich synth layer, but it also has that uh, piano tinkling that he was doing on mid nineties. I, I love that connection you made there. It's, it's very much, uh, in line with that too. So nice. Um, I actually, uh, r- I rather enjoyed this one. Um, Steve, not so much, uh, on this. Uh, let's look at his, uh, his, uh, letter to the editor here. Um, he did, he did at moments. He liked it for the ghost teen and blade runner 2049 connections. Um, he's reminding me in the letter here that he has a Nick cave tattoo um, or two Nick cave tattoos. And obviously we're very happy for him for that. Um,
0: he would give it five.
1: <laughs> he give it five bolts. Is that five out of five bolts? He'd give this. No,
0: he must be uh, his wires must be crossed. Um, he must be thinking five out of nine nails. Uh, Cause right. Yeah. Cause
1: we're not talking about a Bowie album.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Get your shit straight, Steven. Your lawyer should have looked that over <laughs> twice. Uh,
1: I, would, I, would, I would give this five or six out a nine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm probably uh, a five. Um, I mean, looking back in comparison, uh, which is worth noting, uh, Ghosts one through four, which me and Eric also uh, did. So this tradition of talking about ghosts uh, in the Nine Inch Nails universe is something that is now becoming a... A family tradition for me and Eric. Um, <laughs> I
1: just, I feel bad, Mark. In our national season, I kept teasing you for not liking instrumental music. Yet, you are the one that always shows up for these, unlike uh, <laughs> somebody else. You're the one that always shows up. So, I, I retract everything I ever said. You're, yeah.
0: I mean, you know, so let me ask you this. What did you like better? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the material that you found, um, maybe we'll save that to the end. If you want to, if you want to do a comparison between volume five and six versus volume one through four.
1: Yeah. I actually have an idea on that, but yeah, let's, let's save it. Let's save it. All right.
0: All right. Um, so it's just, I'm glad there's new nine inch nails material. Um, how this differs from it being score work by nine inch nails and Atticus or fuck me, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, um, You know, someone's got to do the math for me on that one. Uh, Why this is not just under that moniker of Atticus and Trent, uh, you know, turn on the white noise machine and hit uh, hit record. Um, I made the joke that uh, they should have called it white noise machine. um, To go along with the pretty hate one, but, uh, you know, cooler heads prevailed, apparently.
1: Sure. White noise machine, pink hat machine. Sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, um
1: yeah i mean I, I i would say there's more to it than just noise i think i think they're 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 tapping into some melody
0: sure that i'm on, being cynical on,
1: yeah no no for sure um uh but I, I i totally get what you're saying but let's let's travel from ghost five which was a uh was which is kind of like a an experiment in in um the positive uh, emotional soundscapes, but it ends with this 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 terror as we move on to go six, the locusts, which is supposed to be about uh, the anxiety and the fear of this time. Because uh, what I what I also love about these is the 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 song titles, because I feel like <laughs> without even talking about the music, I feel like I've like I've been there with a lot of these song titles. Like they're, they're like things that we're all thinking about during this crazy time. Well, maybe not all of us, but uh, people with brains Uh, like the cursed clock. Like when, when you can't sleep (laughs) because you're worried about what's happening and uh, you keep hearing a clock tick or like you look up at the clock in the alarm clock in your room and the minutes are still going, even though your brain's not like it's, yeah, it's something. Um Things like uh, around every corner, <laughs> there's somebody you got to jump out of the way from when they're walking, give them six feet or trust fades every time president gets on the camera and talks a really bad night, which is like when you're, you know, I mean, it sounds like you had one of those recently, Mark. Um, anytime you're, yeah. Anytime the, uh, the fears kind of take over. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think we, I think any of us could be there. Um, the new normal, which I know I've said at work every day, <laughs> ah, just enjoying the new normal, you know, just.
0: just <laughs> wow. Pretty. This is crazy. Wow. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, every conference call yeah. has to start that way. Am I right?
1: It's true. It's, it's totally true. Oh, you know, just, uh, yeah, Just doing my thing in the new normal. Yeah. It's uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, right. Oh, turn this off, please. Is a, is a funny title, which is like whenever the news has been on for too long um so tired which i think is after those sleepless n- nights how we feel anyways i just i i feel like all the songs on here are pretty relatable during this time yeah but that's it, that's just song titles
0: so without really uh not to take anything away from what you're about to tell me but a, a while ago long long time ago um when trent resner was really closely involved with Uh, the rollout of Apple Music's streaming service. Um, He was there at the the keynote uh, when they introduced it. He was even in a portion of the marketing, uh, really talking about how artists can use this to connect with their fans and everything, which a feature that is no longer there. And Trent is no longer affiliated with Apple in any sense. But one thing in particular, which I did think was cool in that... uh, Trent Reznor was pretty active, that he would actually post some recommendations. Uh, one thing in particular he recommended was a score to the film It Follows, a film that I've not watched. I know the premise of it. Um, and for the life of me, without doing my homework, of course, I never really listened to it because I could just imagine what it sounded like. And it... With uh, Volume 6, it just really reminds me of that monster movie, um, just vibe, just having to feel like you're being chased down a hallway by something that's just as relentless as the T-1000. But what were you going to say about It Follows? Oh, right. It Follows, uh,
1: you know that scene in um, the original John Carpenter's Halloween when everything looks normal, but then you see Michael Myers like really far away, and then he just starts walking closer to the camera, like that whole feeling of terror is the entire. That's the whole scare device, and, and it follows. And uh, I think it's effective. I enjoy that movie quite a bit.
0: No, I've heard it's really good. I've heard it's really good. Yeah,
1: but anyways, I can I can see the soundtrack is totally a a John Carpenter kind of throwback. A lot of like uh, Cynthia. Uh, uh synthy scary scary uh songs. And I and I do get that from here.
0: So tell me your thoughts on volume 6. I think it's hard to say. I I feel like uh volume
1: 5 is a, maybe a little bit easier to listen to, but volume 6 has some of the high high highs um around every corner just sounds like a John Carpenter masterpiece. That one has piano doing an almost Halloween kind of, uh, riff while the synths, uh, build the tension. Um, I rather enjoy that song. Uh, Steve wasn't crazy about this one. He felt like it's just like uh, if Trent Reznor was forcing you to smoke meth and listen to his music, that's what you'd get out of this album. And I, I see what he's, I, I get what he's saying. I, I don't disagree with him uh, at some points. That being said, you work your way through it and you get to track four called Run Like Hell. And uh, you get one of the absolute, makes this whole journey worthwhile, in my opinion. What do you think, Mark?
0: Absolutely do. I mean, um, I think I was a little bit more engaged with the second half. It's a lot more noisier, and it's a lot more frenetic. Um, I think the my favorite track on probably the whole thing was Run Like Hell, because um, that one does make you kind of sit up in your seat a little bit. Um... And it's also a title of a great Pink Floyd song from the Wall.
1: Oh. I didn't, I, I didn't know I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, this song's cool because it starts out with just like your almost ambient soundscapes, but then the saxophone comes in and just starts wailing. And the guitars and you realize, okay, this is actually chunkier than a lot of the rest of this stuff. Like this this feels like like a Trent song for sure. And then the drums come in and it sounds like an outtake from the uh, Perfect Drug Sessions. It's just an awesome, like, drum and bass, live drumming session bla- blasting in the background of the song as it gets heavier and heavier. It's uh, it's a absolute highlight.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't have much else to say uh, about either one of these. I mean, it's certainly a welcome surprise having it be free for the fans, free for anyone who wants it. Um, I thought it was a great gift to to give people who are locked up some new material to kind of chew into. Um, but it's probably not something I'm going to be going back to. Um, I'll probably be doing it only when I'm giving Nine Inch Nails a proper run through. Um, I actually prefer the score work from uh, previously in this conversation we talked about Watchmen. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's great uh, that that there is something new material is always great, but it's not something that I'll think of anytime that I need to listen to some Nine Inch Nails in my life.
1: Oh you no, know, you're 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 completely correct. It's a it's there's a a mood is necessary. Although I will say, ever since it came out, I put it. I I live in a household that is that is pretty ambient music friendly. I think Heather listens to it when she's reading all the time. So if I slip something on that is in that that area it's usually pretty well regarded. So I think I actually had opportunities to play this maybe more than you guys. Um, so by, by this month, uh, having been out for a month now, I actually felt pretty, pretty comfortable with both albums and it wasn't as a challenging listen, but, uh, no. No. but not, not anything I would put in. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, Actually, that, that being said, ever since we did our Nine Inch Nails season, I have this, like, playlist of the best, my favorite Nine Inch Nails-related stuff. And I would probably put two or three songs from either of these albums on that, but that's it. Um, I think, uh, just to just name-check a few more songs on this, I think uh, A Really Bad Night and Almost Dawn uh, are pretty well executed for the song title like you 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 get a picture in your head when you read that and then they achieve that with the music so um so but in answer to your question earlier about how it compares the other ghosts it's it's interesting um Ghost 1 through 4 has, what, 40 songs, 35 songs, something like that? 35,
0: and, uh, 36, yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, they're not all bangers, but they do have some bangers on there. Like, if you if you like your Nine Inch Nails with a thumping beat and a chunky guitar, like I do, like like we all do, you're at least going to get that on those albums. So I appreciate that. But the other side of it is just from like uh, a, just looking at it as Trent and Atticus as composers, this is more mature than anything on Ghost. It's more well thought out. Um, they, they, they know what they're doing more. Um, so I think I think there need, there needs to be some respect to the the craftsmanship that's going in, that's gone into these two, as opposed to Ghost 1 through 4, which were pretty, you know, oh, I just made this on the road between two concert dates in my van. Like, and and to be fair, there's a lot of bangers on Ghost 1 through 4. But um, I think the com- composership is a, is a lot higher on these two. But even if it, that doesn't result in a lot of memorable songs.
0: Yeah. I mean, so one through four, uh, I, I regarded that as if it was like Trent's sketchbook, you know, uh, something that really do enjoy a lot of his instrumental work. Um, and it was just kind of like a scratch pad of ideas with some that really got, you know, fleshed out on some of his other scores that eventually came through. Um, This one does feel a little bit more put together. Obviously, Trent has gone a long way in his uh, composition skills. And uh, same with Atticus. Atticus is certainly, you know, becoming a more mature artist. And, uh, you know, it's not anything that I want to shit on because clearly it is got some very powerful moments where, you know, can see what the intention is. The intention is for the listener to feel something. They always do that, of course. But having to do it with no vocals to really carry that message through, you can really get the sense of what they're trying to do. Um, it's very thematic on both. They succeeded in in that regard. But I still kind of go back to the sounds where you, you've got pretty much swamp industrial. You've got. Um, just a lot more, I guess, a, a palette of sounds uh, that he was playing with with Ghosts 1 through 4. So I'd probably edge a little bit over there, even though this sounds a, like a more mature work, if that makes any sense.
1: That's what I'm exactly feeling. Like I feel like the memorable moments happen more frequently on the earlier Ghosts. But just respect they're they they are they are they are now masters of their craft when it comes to score stuff, and this is evidence of that. So yeah, it just I'm just yeah I just other than three or four songs, I probably won't listen to a lot of it. But
0: yeah, and I would give uh, the the locust, you know, volume six. Uh, you know, I'd probably give that. You know, I'd probably give it a six as well.
1: Yeah. That's, that. that's good. Yeah. It's a, a critical six. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I absolutely worth listening to. Um, uh, it may not always be time for these songs, but, um, there are some real, real good moments on both of these albums. Uh, and I'm glad we got to circle back and, uh, you know, one thing that happened after our first season is, um, any time I'd ever taken the band for granted uh I have uh you know uh, whipped myself and fla- <laughs> flagellated myself for that uh that uh so I appreciate every little drop they give us uh maybe even more so than it deserves but um really appreciate their composing style
0: Well, I think that about does it. Um, We're going to probably go back into that rocket ship to take us into the Bowie universe on our next episode. Uh, We'll certainly be joined with our third uh, counterpart, Stephen Earl, will be back uh, to talk about the David Bowie album, Reality, which uh, I'm sure will be a barn burner of a conversation. Um, Knowing us, I'm sure that we'll get into a spirited debate about the merits of Pablo Picasso and the modern lovers and the rest that is found on reality. Um, but this has been Mark and Eric
1: and in his own little way, Steven.
0: Yes. The spirit of Stephen Chambers always is with us. So we hope that you guys out there and gals, of course, and people and children <laughs> are staying safe, staying healthy, staying sane. Um, and we will see you next time because we hope that we brought you closer to pod is the ghost
1: of Steven. Why? Um, I, I shiver every time somebody touches my sh- shoulder. Um, just the, uh, just a <laughs> lifetime of abuse. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, the Babadook. yeah <laughs> <laughs>